Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. Thank you for being here with us. This is our Friday, January 26th episode of the program here on Lockdown Blue Devils, excited to be talking about everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. Duke basketball with a big game coming up this weekend against Clemson. They're back at home inside Cameron Indoor. And here we are, now eight days away from the first Duke and UNC meeting of the season. There's a road trip to Castle Coliseum and Virginia Tech due up for Duke in a few days as well. And we're going to discuss all of that more with our friend Isaac Trotter from 24-7 Sports, who will join us here on the program. If you have not done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils for free, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and written review. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button to watch the show each and every day. Like this video, give it a thumbs up, and share it with your friends. Really do appreciate your support of the program. So, Without further ado, let's bring him on. The aforementioned Isaac Trotter is back with us once again. I feel like we get smarter every time we have Isaac back on the program. So uh, thanks for taking time here, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime. Absolutely. So we got to dive right in, man. We're now seven games into the league season for Duke basketball. A a long year in the ACC. As you know, 20 conference games is a ton to kind of go through. What is your thoughts on Duke basketball now compared to where we spoke with you just prior to ACC play getting started? Yeah, I feel like I'm still kind of waiting for this group to really matriculate, kind of come together a little bit. Um, You know, you look at some of the numbers, Duke's starting lineup hasn't really gotten to play together all that much compared to some of the other teams, you know, throughout the top of the ACC and also throughout the top of the country, right? You've had Tyrese Proctor in and out of the lineup, Jeremy Roach in and out of the lineup, Mark Mitchell in and out of the lineup. So it's just in a little bit of a mismatch of, of John Shire trying to really find, hey, what's my rotation? How is this working right now? Now we're working through the Sean Stewart minutes, right? Trying to figure out who's going to come in. How does that work? So I feel like Duke is really starting to just try to figure out how to find themselves. And despite all of that, you look at the numbers, they're one of the best half-court offenses in college basketball. They're, I think they're 12th nationally or top 10 nationally in offensive efficiency on Ken Palm. This is a group that I think hasn't really even hit its stride yet and you still start to see the signs of a team that could be really really good so i'm fascinated to see how this this kind of comes together because i I think this group just needs a little time to really start clicking and they're still 14 and 4 that's 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 the beauty of duke basketball big positive absolutely still one of the top 25 teams in the country a lot to play for they've got some work to do to get caught back up in the acc league standings but i'm fascinated by what you say there. trying to figure out exactly what this team is on the offensive end, you think that there's certainly room for improvement. That's absolutely the case, I would believe, on the defensive end of the floor as well. Is it as simply as there have been so many moving parts, or is, it, is there a little more to that? No, I, th- I think the moving parts thing is real. You know, their splits with and without Mark Mitchell are really stunning to me. I, I pulled it up er- earlier today. So with Mark Mitchell on the floor, we have 698 possessions. Without him on the floor, 529. So that's a pretty big sample size. They, they have a defensive rating of 90 with him on the floor. And when he's off on the bench, it's 107. Now that's on Hoop Explorer, right? So that's a 17 points per 100 possession split there. You know, if you have a plus 34 net rating with him on the floor 
and it's just 10 when he's when he's not on the floor. So it feels like he's really the key to all of this. You know, I, I've I love to look at shot charts and kind of like what what shot diet are you really trying to get? Duke takes and makes good shots. Like they get a lot of shots at the rim. They have really good shooters that they're shooting a lot of open catch and shoot threes. That's the stuff that they create. Kyle Filipowski at the five. I think overall offensively has been a big positive, but defensively, that's where I feel like this group really has to lock in. And, you know, you have three guards who, you know, I wouldn't say are plus size defenders. They're not small, but Tyrese Proctor, Jeremy Roach, and then some of the freshmen there aren't huge, right? You don't have that intimidating, big, big six foot seven wing there on the wing. So it's really up to Mark Mitchell, I feel like, to really kind of hold this group together defensively. And his splits have been drastic, him on the floor, him off the floor. So keeping him healthy, keeping him on the floor, keeping him you know, active and engaged offensively so that you get the best version of him defensively feels really, really monumental. And Duke, you know, winning the ACC and obviously making a really, really deep run of March. And in some ways, like you need the defense to be in a better position with him on the floor. But the offense took a little bit of a back seat when he was out on the floor, considering the really slow start that Mark Mitchell had shooting the basketball uh, to start the year. Here in league play, he's already got three 20-point games. He's kind of snapped that cold shooting streak from the outside. It might not get to the clip that he was shooting a year ago, but I, I think just getting something as a net positive out of him offensively will really benefit the Stoop team moving forward too. No question. And and the the pressure that he puts on the rim is so huge as well. Right. And then, and then also the offensive glass, the getting on the offensive glass like this is a really good offensive team and they haven't even offensive rebounded all that well. Their offensive rebounding rate is significantly higher with Mark Mitchell on the floor as well. Uh, 24 or 27 percent when he's on the floor is their offensive rebounding rate that that'll that'll play. Right. So that's the type of stuff that they need from him on the offensive glass where they need him to create those second chance opportunities, drive the basketball in advantageous situations. Because I still remember that Arizona game early in the year when Arizona put Kashad Johnson on Kyle Filipowski and they dared Mark Mitchell to beat them. That's going to happen more, especially in the big dance and especially down the stretch. Even I even I think about North Carolina, I think there's going to be opportunities where maybe Armando Baycott goes and tries to guard Mark Mitchell. He has to be aggressive. He has to be assertive and he has to win those matchups because he's going to have opportunities to drive the basketball. And if he's efficient getting to the rim and can finish through contact or get to the free throw line, I feel like this Duke offense just takes a whole new, just they, they just kind of reach a new, new level. You mentioned the on-offs with Mark Mitchell and what he's been able to do for the Duke basketball team. Again, he had missed consecutive games prior to returning earlier in the week against Louisville. Duke's got another big test coming up this weekend when they take on Clemson. We saw Jeremy Roach come back from an injury, and then in the Louisville game, instead of the knee this time, it's kind of the ankle uh, that hobbles him. He leaves the game and does not return for this Duke basketball team. He's been uh, kind of – under the undervalued in a lot of ways and, and certainly Duke conversations, I believe, because so much of the focus has been on Filipowski and some of these freshmen and what Proctor has meant to this team. Uh, what have you thought of Roach's play so far and how important is he to this team? Yeah, I mean, I just feel like I feel so comfortable when he's on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> just making a lot of the right decisions this year. Uh career best numbers across the board, right? Shooting it really well from three, 45% from three. I think the turnover rate being so low is is really, really impactful as well. Now that's part of that shifted to where he's playing more off the ball, right? Not necessarily on the ball quite as much, but I just feel like there's a big comfort with him on the floor. And it, I don't know, it's just the constant never ending nagging injuries with him scares me, right? Because they, they really need him. Their best version can't 
it can't happen without him on the floor just because he I feel like he just makes a lot of the right place just a lot of the right place for them on both ends too I, I you know it's a it's a real conversation there if he's their best perimeter defender I don't I don't know if I would say he's their best but it's pretty close right like and and just the sw- the the communication having a veteran understanding the situation time and score late in games being able to make open threes knowing who to get the basketball to knowing that this offense is Kyle Filipowski like I, I feel like Roach hasn't ever gone out there and been like hey it's my turn I need my 17 shots a night. I, I really respect that a lot about him. No, it, and that's that's the point to be made. And the reason that it feels so undervalued when when we're certainly talking uh, in Duke circles is that you get to the end of the basketball game and it's like Roach had 17 points. It doesn't feel like that happened whatsoever because there are so many other big focuses it feels like Duke's got on the offensive end of the floor. And then yet again, Roach is knocking down the shot at a career-best clip from the outside, he's driving and finishing and getting to the free throw line. I mean, he just does so much offensively. Yeah, he's been huge. And you kind of look throughout the the ACC, like these veteran guards are, I mean, the value of those veteran guards feels like it's a real, you know, separator between an ACC that has a lot of questions, right? Like the, the type of level that RJ Davis is playing at North Carolina is not a national championship contender without him. And Duke kind of needs that from Jeremy Roach, too. And then you see some of the other teams where, you know, maybe they have a little bit more youth in that backcourt. Like Wake Forest is super talented, but they have a lot of newcomers and new roles. And they're still starting to figure out, like, who, hey, is it my turn, Cam Hildreth time? Is it Hunter Salas time? Is it Booby Miller time? Right. It's like they're still kind of figuring that out. And I feel like with Duke, they kind of have that role allocation a little bit more settled if they could just get healthy and get to play six, seven, eight games in a row together. That's the big if and uh, something that we're certainly going to be monitoring moving forward, starting with tomorrow. And you talk about guard play uh, in the ACC, but when you look at the Duke and Clemson matchup, I think we got to talk about the big fellas in this matchup. And we're going to do that after our first time out here on today's episode of Locked On. Blue Devils, Isaac Trotter from 247 Sports is here with us on the program today. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time, the number one ticketing app out there. We love Game Time so much. It's also the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show you the total upfront, so you know that you're getting a great deal before you check out. You can buy tickets in seconds with just two apps. Game Time is obsessed with finding ways to help save money on tickets. They've got deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find those last-minute seats. With zone deals, you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for big-time savings. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Right now, all Game Time users get $100 off a big game code ticket with code Vegas100. Terms apply. Just download the Game Time app, use code Vegas100 for $1 off a big game ticket. That's right. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back on Lockdown Blue Devils here today, J.J. Jackson alongside our good friend Isaac Trotter from 247 Sports. All right, we're talking about Duke and Clemson coming up tomorrow. You mentioned the guards in the ACC and certainly a lot worthy of uh, big talk and consideration, but the fellas on the inside in this game 
and Kyle Filipowski, and I think P.J. Hall from Clemson, also known for their touch away from the rim as well. I think that's one of the big matchups looking at this one. Man, this is a war, right? Like yeah. this is this is big time stuff here. Both of these guys are so skilled, they're so versatile, and they mean so much to their respective teams. And you know, I think we kind of know what PJ Hall is. I mean, if you can get him in foul trouble, maybe that's a thing. But I mean, he is really talented. He, I don't think he's even shot it from downtown as well as I expected. He's in in the low thirties, and he's a better shooter than that. So that's obviously a huge matchup. I'm excited to see how much they get to guard each other tomorrow. The other thing too, though, with this Clemson team. Defensively, they've been really, really rough defending the three, which could open some opportunities up for Duke to get going from out there. But they're so good with their rim defense. Teams are shooting just 52% at the rim this year. So that's a big clash because Duke gets to the gets to the rim a lot, get a shot, a lot of shots at the rim, and they're really efficient, one of the most efficient uh, teams in college basketball shooting at the rim. And Clemson does a really great job of taking that shot away, right? With with whether that's a PJ Hall, you know blocking shots right I think he's top 40 in the country in block percentage but they have a lot of length too and Ian Shefflin is a guy who just is he just does a great job of getting in the way defensively so I'm I'm fascinated by the chess match there and which team asserts its will the most at the rim if Duke's able to get to the rim and finish at a high level that's a huge game changer if they're not and they're just really reliant on jumpers that changes the game a little bit too so the war will certainly be won in the paint between Clemson Duke and we know that that Clemson team will get after you on the glass as well so it feels like a big spot for Mark Mitchell and Kyle Filipowski to really hold serve with PJ Hall and Shefflin on the glass yeah so we had Duke at uh, 14 and 4 on the season Clemson 15 and 3 so really or 13 and 5 excuse me really good teams going head to head with this one Clemson starts off the year unbeaten. Then we've got the big game in the state of South Carolina, and we're not talking about Thanksgiving weekend when Clemson and uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks go head-to-head on the gridiron. They were both unbeaten and kind of went toe-to-toe in a fun contest there in the non-conference. And ever since that game, Clemson has kind of been a little rocky, so to speak, and have lost a couple of games in the ACC. What's been the biggest reason for that, you think? Yeah, I think it's a a little bit of everything. You know, Chase Hunter hasn't necessarily had – I feel like – you know, there's a little new guy syndrome, right, with Joe Girard. Joe Girard comes in, and, and I think Chase Hunter's trying to figure out, hey, like, how do I get him involved? And Girard's numbers have been really good this year, but I, it's kind of come at a cost a little bit where Hunter doesn't necessarily look quite as, you know, he, he doesn't have, like, that mean, like, I'm coming off the the, the ball screen, hitting, getting to my pull-up, and I'm, I'm nasty. I'm the best guard on the floor. Like, we saw some of that sometimes last year from Chase Hunter, who was one of the more underrated guards in college basketball last year. They just really haven't had that yet. And so I think offensively, that's it's really not been a huge concern overall. It's really more defense and it's small perimeter guards, right? Joe Girard is six foot two and not a plus defender. Chase Hunter is six foot four, right? Like they've had to, they've not gotten really anything out of Alex Hemingway, a guy that they thought was really going to shoot the three at a high, high level for them. And they're still kind of working through like, who's our, who's the other guys that we add in that mix? Like Jack Clark has been hurt and just kind of getting back into it. And I thought he was a really big piece for them, uh, the transfer at NC state. So it feels like they're in a little bit like Duke, where they're still trying to figure out their way a little bit. And it really does come down to, like, do we have a defensive stopper who can stay in front of the ball? They have not contained the basketball very well at all this year. You know, Georgia Tech's guards kind of got wherever they want on them. Virginia Tech's guards got wherever they want on them. North Carolina honestly didn't shoot it that well and didn't have a great offensive day. But Miami the day before, their guards kind of got wherever they want on them. So it, it really comes down to if Duke's guards can can get into the paint and create plays like that. I, I, I just I'm not really buying this Clemson defense as a 
thing. And I think it could really hold them back from making the NCAA tournament, which could be the final straw of the Brad Brownell era. How, how does Kyle Filipowski concern this Clemson team? Well, they match up decently well with Kyle Filipowski, honestly. Sure. They have they have the size, but I mean, like we t- said, PJ Hall fouls a lot, right? I think he's uh, has a f- f- commits four fouls per forty minutes, so that's a big concern for them as well. I, th- you know, I- I'm worried about if I'm if I'm Clemson, like I don't think I run the double at, at Kyle Filipowski right now. Like throwing a double team at him doesn't make a ton of sense. His ability, I think, his decision making this year has been great. Like just the 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 reads he's making, you know, his assist numbers are good, but they could even be better. He's had a lot of potential assists that have gone astray, right? Like guys miss shots or just the cuts are a little bit off. But I feel like his decision making has been at a high level. And if he's able to just get to the rim and finish through contact, like I'd expect it to be a big time war at the rim. If he's able to finish through contact and he's making those decisions and get PJ all in foul trouble, I think that's a that's a big time win. Because I I don't know. I don't really trust RJ Godfrey to come in and or Chauncey Wiggins to come in or even Jack Clark or Ian Shuffler. I don't trust those guys to necessarily be able to c- contain Kyle Filipowski. It feels like it's all on PJ Hall's shoulders to really win that one-on-one war. Uh, one of the other Duke players that we certainly have to talk about, Isaac, when we're looking at this basketball team this season uh, is Duke's point guard and Tyrese Proctor and what he's been able to do as of late. We saw earlier this week in Louisville, at the start of the game at least, the Blue Devils have everybody healthy and ready to go. And what that means is Tyrese Proctor found himself back coming off the bench as John Shire kind of went back to that lineup that was working with Proctor out. He responded incredibly well with a career-high 24 points, the most three-pointers he's ever made in a game, most shots from the floor that he's ever made from a game, and really looked like kind of the projected lottery pick buzz that he was having going into the year. What are you seeing out of him as of late, and what will he mean to Duke moving forward? Yeah, he's he's got a big time matchup because, again, like he's like that big guard that could give a little Clemson some issues, right? And I just feel like he's – you know, it, it, it's just been hard. Like, there's a lot going on. He gets injured. He's kind of coming off the bench. Then he's starting. Now he's back off the bench. Oh, now you're going to probably start again if Jeremy can't play, right? It just feels like there's not, not been a lot of cohesiveness there. But I was really impressed. I know that Louisville is whatever, but, and, you know, one of the worst teams in the high major ranks this year. But that type of game can really, I think, can parlay that moving forward. And if he's playing like this, where he's – I'm not expecting 24 points on 16 shots a night, but I like the four assists and the one turnover. I like his ability to make the right decisions and to make the right reads. I think he's a really good shooter. I think if you look at his numbers, he's 38, 39% on catch and shoot threes. Last time I checked, like he can be a knockdown guy for this group. And there's so many opportunities that you're going to have when the ball is through Kyle Filipowski's hands. And I just would love to see that two man game with them really start to emerge. And if that happens where that two-man game between Kyle Filipowski and Tyrese Proctor becomes maybe a feature of this Duke offense, not necessarily like a, you know, a last resort that we get to at times, I think that's when you could start to feel like the comfort with this group start to really expand because he could be a, he'd be a huge difference maker for this club. Like really, really a huge difference maker. And I think he's got a great matchup starting on, on Saturday against Clemson. And you have to really start to, it's time, it's, it's time to go, right? Like there's no more time to wait. It's time, it's time to go. It's mid January. It's ready. It's, it's, it's time, right? Like, and it feels like Tyrese Proctor is starting to, the light switch is starting to come on for him. It's time to go. I mean, we're eight days away from the first Duke Carolina game of the season. What that will mean for the ACC, what that game always means for each program. We'll have a little bit of that conversation after we take our last time out here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils.
Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, FanDuel is the absolute best and America's number one sports book. New customers with FanDuel get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. We can't wait for Sunday. Conference championship game because you've got the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Detroit Lions, followed by the Kansas City Chiefs going head-to-head with the Baltimore Ravens. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet on these conference championship games, like those live same-game parlays. You can find the bets in the new Explore Hub, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and so much more. So go ahead and visit FanDuel.com slash on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is a proud sponsor of the NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, we move forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside Isaac Trotter from 247 Sports. Tell us a little bit about your work, Isaac. What are you working on these days? Boy, we got a lot of stuff going on, right? A weekly 10 takes column. We just did our national championship contenders list. Uh, Duke was in that mix as well of teams that could potentially win the national title. I think there's really 13 teams, and that's one of them. Um, and then uh, this week, we also looked back at some of our preseason prognostications, like what we kind of projected from this season and then what it is now, what we got right, what we got wrong. So it's a busy time at 24-7. Well, I'd love to have you join us. All right. So talking about that in particular, again, teams that can win it all this season, you've got 13 teams kind of in that mix there. Another one of those teams, I'd imagine, is the North Carolina Tar Heels. Here we are a year ago. They don't make the NCAA tournament at all. Duke goes on to win the ACC tournament before being bounced by Tennessee in that second round. We're two years away now from Coach K's final game being in the Final Four against the Tar Heels. There's always so much riding on this rivalry and these games. But, uh, man, for college basketball as a whole, Isaac, I say it's uh, safe to say it's another year where these two programs are near the top of the sport. From the national perspective, is that the case as well? Totally. And, you know, I think Duke being like this and North Carolina, obviously outplaying preseason expectations has kind of covered up a little bit of the ACC as a general, like some of the frustrations maybe throughout the rest of the league or some of the concerns with the rest of the league. But it's it's hard to really focus in on those when North Carolina is a legit national championship contender. Duke is a legit national championship contender. And we got two more of these wars coming up. So it's I think, you know, from a from a national perspective, it's like. I don't think many teams are looking forward to playing North Carolina or Duke. And I think a lot of eyes will be focused on, you know, the chess match between both of these teams, because I feel like, you know, heading into the year, we had a lot of concerns about Hubert Davis's ability to really maximize his roster. And early in the year, they were pretty justified later. It's been a question. And I think there's still some, or later in the year, it's been really, you know, not a question anymore about Hubert Davis. He's, I felt like he's pressed the right buttons. And the same thing goes for Duke. Like I still think people, from a national perspective, again, have some questions about John Shire's ability to maximize this group. And so it feels like a big couple months here for both Duke and North Carolina. And man, that game in a week is going to be really, really fun. No doubt about that. First game starting in Chapel Hill. And then, of course, they'll end the regular season there in Durham. So uh, before that, Duke has Clemson tomorrow, obviously, a Monday trip to Virginia Tech at Castle Coliseum. Duke's lost like five out of their last six. They're in Blacksburg. Uh, what can you tell us about the Hokies? So Virginia Tech uh, 
it's a weird team because they've they've when Sean Padula is playing at a high level, like they're really, really terrific. And then Hunter Couture had some injuries and then he came back and has played well. And then Lynn Kidd, obviously their big man inside has been a revelation. But outside of that, it's a massive question mark about everybody else. Tyler Nickel has had some in, in, in moments, right? MJ Collins has been up and down. Makai Long was a guy out of Old Dominion that I really liked out of the portal. But he's really more a defensive rebounding effort guy. He hasn't really made a bunch of plays. I think he I still don't think he's made a three yet this year. And then Robbie Barron out of Northwestern, another Northwestern transfer. It felt like they really loaded up on these like big versatile wings to try to help out some of their smaller guards. And it just hasn't necessarily clicked. They've been really inconsistent this year. But as we know, they're really, really good at home. And Clemson learned all about that, right? With a, They just throttled Clemson at home. We've seen them play at a high level at home. They can score it. They can really shoot it. We understand that Mike Young's one of the best coaches in college basketball so far, especially from the offensive side. But I do have some concerns about them just from an overall talent because it's like Padula, I think, is an all-ACC guy. Hunter Couture is an all-ACC guy. Lynn Kidd's a good ACC starter. After that, I think there's some real questions about the depth of talent with this group. Taking a look at the ACC as a whole, you mentioned North Carolina and Duke kind of being at the top. Do you think it continues that way for the rest? I mean, here we are seven, eight games into league play. And again, there are 20 games that we've got to go through for this conference as a whole. Can't anybody enter that conversation or do you think it ultimately ends up being that two horse race? Yeah, I do. I think it's just those two teams that really do it. You know, Florida State has started to play a little bit better. I still think it's a little bit, you know, fluky. Can we see it against some better teams? I think would be would be fair. Although Jameer Watkins has been an absolute beast for them. You know, the two teams that I, I still can't give up on from a talent perspective is Miami and Wake Forest. Miami has dudes, right? They're just not very deep. And Bensley Joseph and Nigel Pack together has not necessarily been great from a defensive standpoint, just two very small guards. When you combine that with a six foot seven center, even though I love Norchad O'Meara, it just you just are physically at a little bit of a disadvantage and they haven't shot it as well as they need to. Like you just need to have a supernova offense if you're going to make up for having a defense ranked outside the top 100. And Miami has a good offense. They don't have an elite offense. So that's one team. Wake Forest is the other team. I, I really like this club. Like I think that's a really good team. But again, they're still trying to find themselves a little bit. They've had guys in and out of the lineup all year. They get Efton Reed back, and their numbers defensively have been awesome with him. You know, Hunter Salas and Boopy Miller have been two of the best transfers in the country this year. We know that Cam Hildreth can be a really good player, but they're still trying to work into Mari Monsanto into the rotation. He just got healthy, big-time shooter. So I love the pieces that they have, but they still are kind of trying to find themselves. And that's a problem when – Duke and North Carolina feel like they could get humming here in a second. So I think it's Duke and North Carolina in that top tier. And then it's a pretty big tier gap. And that's where then I throw in that Miami and Wake Forest conversation. And it's weird because we haven't said Virginia once yet. And I, I think I'm out on them. Like I just, they leave me wanting a lot on every on any given night. And, and that's certainly a, a team that we're used to seeing towards the top of the league and that sort of thing. But the last team I wanted to talk about with you is a team that actually Virginia played a little bit earlier this week. And it's that fourth and final team in the state of North Carolina. We're talking about the Wolfpack there in Raleigh. Duke only sees them once this year towards the very end of the season. Uh, feels from the outside, at least, that this has been one of the better starts to a season that Kevin Keats and NC State have had in quite some time. Where are you at on the Wolfpack? Where should people find this team? They're a tough team. You know, I think that mentally tough, they've started they've started to showcase that a little bit. Um, 
I still question some of the overall talent, right? Michael O'Connell has been a nice addition for them out of Stanford, who's really stabilized things a little bit. But DJ Horn, you know, some of their their defensive metrics are not very good when Horn and O'Connell are on the floor together just because you have two smaller guards. You know, they're, they're trying to find some of those big wings. Like Casey Morcel is a really solid player. Jaden Taylor, I like, I've loved his defense so far this year. But it feels like they don't have a ton of, you know, a two-way guy like they don't have like that guy that they can count on on both ends of the floor that doesn't have a lot of like they have a lot, a lot of one-way players right like dj burns ha- is a one-way guy then that's okay because he's really good at what he does dj horn kind of a one-way guy Jaden taylor is a one-way guy really good at defense still kind of finding himself offensively so far this year casey morsell might be the closest thing to it their two-way guy but so that's like those are the concerns that i have with that group like they're a solid team they're tough i think they're going to play tight they play in a lot of close games but they don't shoot a lot of threes. They're not a great three-point shooting team, so they really don't have that like that afterburner, uh, like that can really like put teams away. So that's that's maybe more my concern with them. If, but if you don't take care of the basketball against NC State, or you don't want to, you know, compete on the glass, they will punk you. And that's that's the what I respect about that group because they they are not scared of anybody, <laughs> even that. if they might not be the most talented team. I love that. All right, Duke, fourteen and four on the season, five and two in the ACC. As we wrap up our conversation here today, again on our Friday podcast this week, Isaac, I want you to end us here with a little bit of optimism for all the Duke basketball fans out there. Kind of sell us on what this Duke team can be and, and reasons to be optimistic and positive going into the back stretch of the season. Yeah, I, I still just look at like they've they've really haven't had that that lineup cohesion that I talked about earlier, and they're still elite a half court offense. Like that makes me really excited if I'm a Duke fan, just because I feel like they're taking the good shots and they're able to create a lot more problems. Teams are game planning for them, not vice versa, and so I feel like this group. When you have the Kyle Filipowski at the five and his ability to stretch the floor, and you get Jeremy Roach and Jared McCain and Caleb Foster, Tyrese Proctor, all four of those guys can really shoot it from downtown. I, I think playing Sean Stewart more, you know, over Ryan Young is a great move for this group because I think you can play different defensive coverages, have a little bit more explosiveness. And then the Mark Mitchell's a huge X factor. Like, I still think this is one of the more talented teams in the country. And it's just a young group who's still trying to really find themselves. And the glimpses have been really good. Their A game is really, really elite. I just feel like they're not that far away from finding that consistency where that A game is happening, you know, twice a week instead of once every three weeks. <laughs> and that's that's where I like this group. We love that. That's what we want to see. We want that A game all the time from the Stuke basketball team, that's for sure. Well, you brought your A game today, Isaac, and we couldn't be more appreciative of the time. I couldn't be more appreciative myself here personally. One more time, if you will, my friend, tell us about your work um, and where people can find it, where they can follow you on the social platforms and that sort of thing. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore Trotter and then uh, 247sports.com. That's kind of where most most of my stuff is. And then I, I usually tweet out all my work as well. But appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll do this again sometime soon. Again, that's our friend Isaac Trotter joining us on the program today. And you heard it there at the end. Be optimistic. We got a lot to play for left in this season with Duke basketball. Certainly love hearing all of that. That'll do it for our show here today on the program. Thanks so much for your time. We're back at it again very soon. I'm JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.